Good morning. That's what I'm talking about, Anthony. Yeah. Thankful for that. What a special day we've got. You know, it's special for a number of reasons. I noticed as I was coming in, we've got several people here for the very first time in church. There's a couple of babies here that have never been in church before today. And I am thankful. And they are welcome here. And let me just tell you, parents, if they get upset, I got a microphone. I can go louder. They are just fine. You let them cry. You let them spit and scream and yell and all that good stuff. Just let it let it rip, man. Let it be rip. My, my pastor in South Carolina used to say, I love hearing the sound of babies in the auditorium, babies in the worship center. It's a sign of life. And there are many churches that would yearn to have one baby's voice cry out in the same. So let them cry. Our children will be with us this morning. So that's also why you don't see the stampede exiting stage left uh, headed upstairs. So we're going to have a church together this morning. And if we're going to have church together this morning, then we're just going to hit it right. We're just going to hit it real. We're going to get right out of the gate. And I'm going to talk specifically to the men. Men, listen to me. This might make you uncomfortable, but I'm about to ask you to do something. You might not even like it. And I'll just be honest with you. If you don't like it, feel free not to participate. But there will be a glaring sign around you that people will know he didn't participate. (laughs) But men, we're going to start off real. We're going to start off straight. And I'm going to lead out because I'm a man too. And I'm not going to ask any man in our congregation to do something that I'm not willing to lead out and go first in. That's supposed to be what I do. So men, if you would like to join me, you are more than welcome to at this time. And if anyone gets upset, you blame me. Ready? (laughs) Got you. We sing about freedom, man. Let's get real. So if you get upset, wives, it's my fault and I don't apologize. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. What is debt? What is debt? We all have our definitions of debt. We know what debt is. But what is debt? How do you define debt? This morning, if we're talking about being debt-free, what is debt? I actually looked it up. I needed needed a real-life definition. Debt is defined as this, deferred payment that is owed in the future. Deferred payment that is owed in the future. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything if you have debt, but think about debt. Most commonly, when I use the word debt, you thought of something that started with a dollar sign, didn't you? There's a lot of different debts. And yeah, there's, there's debts of finances and debts of money. But we're talking about being debt-free today. A little side note, y'all know if you, if you open your, your bulletin this morning, you'll see how ch- close we are becoming as a church to being debt-free. Now, we are a 50-year-old church, and for over 30 years, around 30 years, we've been in debt. And God's about to release us from that. And that is going to give us the clear green light go-ahead for us to get to the starting line. Trust me, being debt-free is not the start. Getting to be debt-free, then we can get to the starting line to do what God has for this church. So I'm excited about that, but we're not talking about that today. 
But we are talking about debt. How would you define debt? How does one accrue debt? We accrue it in a lot of different ways. A lot of it is financially related. A lot of it is, is, is tied to money. But we accrue other types of debt, don't we? We accrue debts of time. Debts of time, debts of service. You know, somebody comes to your house and helps you do something or build something or put something together and there's a debt in your heart that you're like, man, I need to go help them do something. You know what I mean? Even if it was done in generosity, we still have that, that debt, that debt to pay. Debt of appreciation. Somebody does something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves at the time. We owe them a debt of gratitude that we want to thank them. We have all kinds of debts. And this morning, I would like for us to spend some time in the word and we're going to look at seven words today. I know, it's seven words. I had a friend text me this week and said, hey, good luck preaching your first Easter Sunday as a pastor. And all I could come up with was seven words. <laughs> Room to improve. But we're going to be looking at seven words today and dealing with debt. And it's kind of different ways how we're going to be dealing with it. But the first two words are this. See, when I was a, I was a kid, I'm, a, I'm the second born, by the way. Anybody the oldest? Are you the oldest sibling? Oh, look at all the mean people. I mean, wonderful people. All right. Let me see it in mass. If you are not the, if you had an old, if you're the younger, I don't care if you're second or 22nd, raise your hand. Yeah, I see that. I see all the wounds and scars. I got you. I got you. I see that hand. See, the first two words we're going to look at, that for all you older siblings, these words will send shivers down your spine. The two words are this. I'm telling. <laughs> you laugh now. It wasn't funny, was it? See, for you older siblings, those two words were horrifying for you. Now, for us younger siblings, that was our only mode of survival. That's the only way we're going to make through. I'm telling. I'm telling. I'm telling. I'm telling. And some of you, now I understand we have, you know, kids that are like only child. I get it. And for you, I've, I want to make sure you understand what I'm talking about here. I got a video clip I want to show you in just a minute. Uh, it's, a, it's a teenage girl uh, who is in her bedroom and she has set her phone up and she's about to make a video of herself. And uh, her younger sister is sitting on the edge of the bed. And... Uh, Something transpires. I need you to pay close attention. It's only like a 20-second clip. So I need you to listen to what this looks like. Let's see what, let's see what we got. Get out of my video. Move. Move. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Do you want me to get you some food? I can buy you candy. Turn that. No, no, don't tell that. Don't tell that. Listen, listen. Don't tell that. Don't tell that. If you tell that. Anyone can relate? Now see, I didn't have an older sister growing up, but I needed an older sister like that. Did you hear what she said? She knocked her sister off the bed. She starts crying. The first thing she said, do you want some food? Do you want me to get you some food? I have candy. Yes, please. And I'll be back on the bed when you get back to knock me off for dessert. I mean, I mean, seriously. What a great big sister, other than the fact that she pushed her off the bed. She started crying, and what did she say to her sister? I'm going to tell dad. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I can get you some food. Don't tell dad. Don't tell dad. I'll get you some candy. I love that video clip. It just sums up perfectly this concept of, hey, I'm telling. I'm telling. Why was she so afraid 
for her sister to tell her father. Any guesses? Yeah, she knows what's coming if dad finds out. She knows what's coming because, see, the younger sister's going to go tell dad, and he's the one in charge, and then there's going to be some type of response. There's going to be some type of discipline. There's going to be some type of punishment. Why? I mean, she didn't kill her. I don't, don't think she broke any bones. I didn't see any blood. Why should there be any punishment? It wasn't that bad, was it? Parents, raise your hand if you would punish her for doing that. Oh, I need more hands than that. Come on, guys. I got to... I put my hand up. Yeah, she's going down for that. Claire going to burn if that happens. Jax is raising his hand like, yes. <laughs> Daddy, bring the truth. You know, I get it. <laughs> she was scared because she knows there's going to be consequences. She was scared because she did something she wasn't supposed to do. And she was scared because I'm telling was the two words used as she goes and makes sure daddy knows her offense. See, here's the thing. That in itself is a debt. That in itself is a debt. You did something, and you basically, what was it? You deferred payment that is owed in the future. Because she knows there is going to be a payment for what she has done. I'm the same exact way. I'm the younger sibling, so I didn't have the privilege of doing that. Uh, but I do the same exact way when it comes to my relationship with the father. I do dumb stuff all the time. And you know what I do? My instant response is like, but it wasn't that bad. There's no blood. This is okay. It could have been, did you see what, did you see what so-and-so did to their sibling? I mean, come on, this wasn't a bad thing. We get so caught up in measuring by comparison when the truth is, when there is an offense that is done, there is a punishment, there is a payment. to be. We are in debt to the payment that is coming for our actions. But here's the crazy thing about my sin. See, sin, if I may define sin for us briefly, sin is disobeying God. Sin is disobedience of God. And, and I actually heard somebody try to rationalize it this way, be like, well, if I don't know what God wants from me, then it can't be sin if I don't know. No, see, God is holy and perfect. And anything you do or don't do, whether you're aware of it or not, still offends a holy and perfect God if it's in disobedience to that God. But what's unique about God and separate from this situation is he's not waiting around for somebody to come tell him. There's nobody that has to come and tell God what I did. You know why? He already knows. God already knows that my sin, which is disobedience from God, when I do something that disobeys God, he knows about it. In John chapter 4, Jesus was out at this well in midday, and this woman walked up to the well, uh, and she was getting her water for the day. And Jesus just starts dialoguing with her. He starts having a conversation with her. And, uh, you know, she she was of a different culture than he was. There was a lot of faux pas here, but Jesus was just blasting right through him to have a conversation with this young lady. And uh, she was like pretty impressed by what he was telling her. She was pretty impressed by this. And he said, why don't you go get your husband and bring him back and we'll talk more. And she said, well, uh, truth is I don't have a husband. And that's all that he shared, she shared with him. And you know what Jesus said to her? He looked at her and he said, you know what, you're right. You've actually had five husbands and, and the man you're living with now, he ain't, he ain't even your husband. Now he didn't read her resume. He didn't go online and check her Facebook. He just, he knew who she was. God knows who I am. God knows who you are. 
And it doesn't matter if somebody tells or not. God knows who we are and what we are, what we have done. He knows our sin. And we can try to put it off, we can try to blame, we can try to minimalize it, but the truth is our sin has offended a perfect God. God knows our sin. A debt has been created. God knows our sin. So the first two words I want to look at today is, I'm telling. Because it's pointing to the fact that there's a debt. And you know what the funny thing is about a debt? A debt demands payment. You know, this might blow you away, but I need stuff. I actually use stuff in my daily life. I know, you're floored. I was too when I came to reality. It costs me to live. Did you know that? Does it do that for you too? No? Yeah? What is this? Why? Why does it cost... So when I was a kid, uh, I loved getting mail. I still love getting mail. Uh, But I loved getting mail as a kid. I remember getting off the bus, and before I got a chance to run up the hill uh, with my book bag and everything, the first place I would stop, mailbox. Check the mailbox every day. I was real mad if I checked the mailbox and it was empty because either the mailman's slow or my brother beat me to it. And then I'm just, you know, I got nothing because he's my big brother. But I loved checking the mail. I never got mail, man. Like my birthday came along and I got mail. But other than that, never got mail. When I got into comic books. As a kid, I started reading comic books. And instead of like begging my mom to take me to the store, I just got the subscription. So at least one day a month, I got something in the mail. I, maybe that's sad. I don't know. But I did. And it was awesome. Even to this day, my kids, my kids still love getting the mail. Like, they get out of the truck, and they run and, and grab the mail and, and, and bring it back to the house. Jax, Jax loves getting mail. And a lot of people that send Jax's card, they write in cursive. Dude can't even read cursive yet. <laughs> but he loves getting the mail. It's so much fun. I'm an adult now. Mailbox. It's not as exciting as it used to be. You know? I get, like, almost every day the same guy comes and visits me. His name's Bill. Every day, and he waits for me in the mailbox, and I'm like, "Oh, anybody know what I'm talking about?" It's like, "Hey, let's go check the mail today." Well, here we go, checking the mail. So excited to see what's in there. You know, mailbox is not as exciting, but when you finally get there and open it up, man, what's waiting for you? You got all kinds of bills, all kinds of bills. You might have credit card bills. You might have doctor bills. You might have utility bills, power bills, water bills. You might have a cell phone bill. You might have something that says, hey, it's time to renew the so-and-so. I mean, seriously? It's not, now it's not time to renew the so-and-so. I just paid this, like, a month ago. We get caught up in this. It's bills after bills. Y'all know what I'm talking about when you get to this point. Friday, Friday I went to the mailbox, little self-revelation here. I don't know if this is like what I'm not supposed to do or not I'm new to this, but uh, I'm like having a good Friday, and uh, thanks, guys. Just glad you made it. Uh, so it gets Friday. It's an awesome day. It's wonderful. I go and check the mail. My kids have Easter cards. I got three bills in the mail. And like by the time I open the mail, I, I owed $1,640. 
And none of it is like legit. I'm like, uh, what? Like, I wrote on all of them, Jesus paid it all. <laughs> and I sent them back. And uh, <clears throat> so I took care of that. Uh, if you want to try that, you can. It's just, we get, it's just a nonstop cycle. That even, I heard somebody say one time, you know, you're never really financially debt free. Because maybe you don't have like something that you've been paying off. Maybe you've paid off all of it. But guess what? Guess what's coming next month? Power bill. Water bill. <clears throat> if you want to leave your house in any type of vehicle, guess what? You got to pay gas. You got all these bills that come in. And see, every time a bill comes in, there's these two little words that go with it. First two words were, I'm telling, this, these two words that come with it is amount due. It's written on every one of them, and they're written to me. Do you know why? Because I use that. We can sit here and say, it's not fair. Didn't I just pay this? Well, that's too much. The problem is, at the end of the day, you're getting that bill because that's what you did. You're getting charged for what you used. You're having to pay what you owe based on your life. It costs to live based on your choices in life, you have to pay somebody for it. It's because you take too long of showers that you don't like it. It's because you leave all the lights on when you leave the house that you get upset. It's because somebody used up all your data. There was some little whispers over here. We don't like it, but guess what? The problem is the reason we have an amount due is because we're the ones We're the ones that used it, and it demands payment of us. There's no way around it. It's on us. The same can be said about our relationship with God. When we had an offense, when we went into debt with God, when we had sin, and we all sin, and we entered into this debt of God, there is going to be a day where that amount comes due. We have sin, and our sin is an offense to God, and there's going to be a payment for our debt, and there's coming a day where our amount is due for our debt to God. It's written very clear in Romans 3. It says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There's there's no one who does good, not even one. Every single living, breathing human being has sinned against God. And just like we just talked about, I'm telling, our sin puts us in debt. And debt demands payment. And that payment will come due as an amount due. And it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how how wonderful you think you have lived your life. The fact is you draw breath means you were born with a sinful nature that you naturally crave Sin. Therefore, we are all guilty of our sin. Nobody has to tell God. He knows. And there's coming an amount due. Was that four words? Yeah, four words. You know, in the Old Testament, when when people were dealing with sin, they had this really complex sacrificial system to deal with sin. See, they had a they had the chief priest. They had, uh, they had the, the high priest, and uh, he, once a year, and only once a year, uh, he would 
cleanse himself. He would be, he would pray for forgiveness of his sins. He would cause, he would have sacrifices for himself to purify himself so that on one day a year, he could go into what was called the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies in the temple was that real innermost place that no one could go to except for that priest only once a year to give a sacrifice on behalf of all the people. All right? This was their custom. And the sacrifice had to be a blood sacrifice. It had to be a pure, unblemished, spotless, innocent creature, most commonly a lamb. So the priest would, uh, sometimes the sacrifice would take place in the Holy of Holies, but sometimes people said that in itself defiles the Holy of Holies, so they would do the sacrifice outside, and he would just bring the blood of the sacrifice into the Holy of Holies. And when he brought the blood into to make a sacrifice for the people, he would pour the blood on what was called the mercy seat. The mercy seat. Because what he was doing was the blood would cover the sins of the world. The blood would cover the sins of the people. The priest was making a sacrifice on behalf of the people for their sins, for their debt. And he would pour out blood to cover their sins. This was how they dealt with sin in the Old Testament. But today I want to point you to Hebrews chapter 9 as we look at God's word together to see what we have in the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9, beginning in verse 24, Jesus, this is what we read here. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the real thing. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. I want to stop right there. We're going to leave that up there. I want to pause right there because I want us to see the difference right here. See, in the Old Testament, you had this priest that would go in once a year. He could only go in once a year, and he would spill somebody or something else's blood on a mercy seat to cover the sins of the people. Wasn't even his blood. But he would do it on their behalf, and it could only go once a year. He would go into this man-made temple, into the Holy of Holies. And what we see here in Jesus, you've been hearing his name throughout this service. You're familiar with him if you're uh, raised in this area. You're probably familiar with the term Jesus. I want you to understand who he is today. I want you to understand that just what this passage is saying is that he didn't enter a saying, he didn't go into the Holy of Holies. He didn't walk into the temple. Jesus Christ walked up into the throne room of heaven itself. Do you know why? Because he can. Because he's the son of God. He was, he is, and he always will be. And he appeared for us in God's presence. Appeared for us in God's presence. Do you get that? That when Jesus walked up before God, it wasn't just like, hey, God, I'm back. Hey, Father, I'm here. God, the, it's, look, look what he said. Father, I'm here on behalf of the people that will gather at Westmead Baptist Church on April 21st, 2019. Because they got a debt. Every single one of them got a debt. So, Father... Uh, They're not going to trust some priest, certainly not going to trust this guy to go on their behalf to spore some blood to cover up the sins. You can't cover it up. You can't cover it up. This week in staff meeting, Terrence walked into staff meeting, and he had two pieces of paper with him. One was a check that he had gotten, and one was a bill that he had gotten. The check was for $4.37. Payday. The bill was for a lot more than that. 
And we had a little fun, little silly game. You know what? That $4.37, we can put that check on top of that bill. You know what it does? Covers it up. And when we look at that stack of papers, we see a check for Terrence for $4.37. But what's underneath? The bill. What does the bill represent? Debt that he owes. We can cover it up all day long, but it doesn't eliminate it. And that's what the priest was doing in the Old Testament. He was pouring out the blood to cover the sins of the people. But look at what Jesus did. He walked and he entered into heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again and again and again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that's not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But get this in verse 26, church. Hold on to this. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Let me paint you a picture of what that means. The priest would go in and pour blood as a, of the covering of the sin. Jesus walked in and didn't cover it. He eliminated it, church. The sin has been eliminated. It's been paid for. That's why in John, John chapter 1, when John the Baptist sees Jesus walking, what does he shout? What does he proclaim? He says, behold, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Not the lamb that covers the sin, not the $4 check that covers the bill, but takes it away. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. We have a debt. Every single one of us have a debt. Nobody has to tell. Nobody has to tattle. Nobody has to inform you even. We have sin. Our sin is an offense to a perfect God. Therefore, it is counted to us as a debt. And there's going to come an amount due for that debt. But here's the last three words of our seven, and I want you to hang on to this. This didn't even happen on Easter Sunday. It happened on Good Friday. And the last three words of this church. It is. Say it like you mean it. It is. Guys, it is finished. It is finished. When Jesus went to the cross, the last thing he said, he's like, done. It's finished. Debt paid. And three days later, he comes walking out of a tomb saying, debt free. My people are debt free. And on Easter Sunday, today, in which we recognize on our human calendar, we recognize the day that Jesus walked out of a tomb and our debts were paid, church. And not just the debts were paid that you're forgiven, the debts are paid so that you might have fellowship with God the Father. Not to come up and be like, well, under this $4 check, there's this bill that you missed. Paid. Everything has been paid because of God's great love for you and of his justice that he brings through his son.
Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In Christ, church, our sins aren't covered up. Our sins aren't still there underneath the surface waiting for us to do something about them. In Christ, our sins are forgiven. And if you are in Christ today, you are debt free. And he proved it when the stone rolled back and he walked out. That's worth celebrating, church. I hope today you don't miss the debt free that Christ has paid for us. I hope today that you don't stop with just recognizing that you have sin and it is an offense. It is a debt created between you and God. I hope you don't stop with just thinking, man, one day my sin is going to be an amount due and I don't have enough to pay it because I've offended a perfect God. My sin stands in direct defiance of God himself and that amount due comes, man. I don't know what I'm going to do on that day. But I hope today that you hang with all seven words and you get to the end when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. The debt has been paid. They are mine. So that when Jesus does stand in the throne room before God, and on the day that my amount comes due and I stand before God, Jesus stands in my place and said, debt free, paid for. To which God will respond, well done, my good and faithful servant. There's nothing good, there's nothing faithful, faithful about me. There's not really much servant. But because of Christ, my debt is paid. Is your debt paid? We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. Every time we see Jesus speak, act, and do, there's a response that is demanded. We talked about when he was having a conversation with Martha on his way to raise Lazarus from the dead. She said, Jesus, if you would have been here, he'd still be alive. He said, well, you believe in the resurrection, don't you? She said, yeah, but that's not going to happen for a long time. He said, I'm the, rex- I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? He's asking her, he was asking her to respond. Do you believe this about me? So church, I'm asking you the same question that Christ continues to ask us. Do you believe this? In Christ, we are debt-free. Do you believe this? In Christ, our sins are forgiven. They're not covered. They are erased. Do you believe this? And if you do, what will be your response? What will be your response today when family and friends gather at your house or the house you're going to? Will they see evidence of you being a debt-free Christian by how you treat and love them and point them to the gospel? Tomorrow at work, when people are talking about their Easter weekend, are you going to tell them about being debt-free in Christ? What are you going to do about being debt-free? And if you're sitting here saying, you know what, Justin, I don't know if I'm debt-free. I don't know how I stand with God. I've heard three times over the last two weeks somebody tell me, you know what, me and God got our own thing worked out. Let me tell you what God's worked out with you. The cross of Jesus Christ The offer of grace through the forgiveness of sins. It is an invitation for you to accept and receive his love and mercy through that. There's no side deals. God ain't a hustler to where he's got a couple of deals going on on the side. This is what it is. Here is God's offer to you. Where do you stand with God? Because it's not what you work out with him. It's what he has already paid for you. So do you believe this? What will you do with being debt free?
I'm going to ask you to bow your heads as we pray together. Our team's going to come up and prepare to lead us. But I just got to ask. If you're sitting there wondering, I don't know where I stand with God, this is probably not the first time you've thought about that. My question is, how many times are you going to think about that before you do something about it? Because you're not waiting around for somebody to tattle it. God knows you sin. Your sin is an offense to him that has created a debt that you owe to him that you cannot repay. But he's given away through his son, Jesus, that your debts are paid. And all, all it is, all it is, is this. It's not some, you have to take on an oath, you have to do something for the next 12 weeks. This is the offer of forgiveness extended to you through Christ Jesus. And all we do in response to that, to deal with this debt that we owe, is to say, Jesus, I know I have sinned, and that sin has separated me from you. God, I'm sorry for my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness for what I have done, all of it. God, I have a debt, and I'm asking you to let Jesus, the grace offered through him, cover my debt so that I might be yours. And God, from this day forward, may my life be yours. If we just say that to him, if we pray that to him and mean it in sincerity with our hearts, the word tells us he is faithful forgive us our sins and that we become co-heirs with Christ Jesus as sons and daughters of God. Perhaps you want to have a conversation about this. Man, I'd love to talk to you about this. I'm going to be right down here around front. I know it's like, man, there's a lot of people looking. Listen, after church, I'm going to be right out here in the foyer. Let's talk out there. Let's have that conversation. Maybe, maybe you are a follower of Christ. Maybe you've professed Jesus as Lord, but you know good and well that you're not pursuing the Lord the way he pursued you. Maybe today they need to have that conversation with God. Say, God, I know I'm debt free, but I sure have messed up the ledger. God, I repent of this lifestyle that I'm leading that does not reflect you. Maybe you need to get somebody to pray with you. Maybe you want to come down to the front to the altar or sit on the front row. Whatever it is, have the conversation with God. What is your response? Do you believe this? He asked Martha. He asks us. This is the time for us to respond to God in our statement of belief. So whatever it is, don't be afraid or ashamed for the man that set you free and paid your debts. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this hour we can spend in this room worshiping you. Father, if we leave here and we are unaffected by your presence, then God, it's on us. But Father, even now, as we have looked at your word, I thank you, Father, for forgiving our sins. For forgiving my sins, God. For providing Jesus so that I may be debt free. God, if anyone in this room today is ready to live a life in Christ, a new life, God. If anyone is ready to stop asking questions and to get it nailed down that I know my sins are forgiven, then, Father, may they respond by finding someone 
to talk to about that this morning. God, if we are if we are in these pews and we're dealing with an unrepentant heart or a harsh attitude, or Father, we feel like our relationship with you has been broken, then God, remind us that you're ready and waiting. All we do is turn and move towards you. You're waiting for us. God, whatever it is, may we respond to your great offer of love and kindness through your son, Jesus Christ, today, God. Find us faithful in answering the question, do you believe this? May we say yes with how we live. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite you